This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we come now as your children. We're gathered here together, your children, Lord, asking you to... Once again, be that great father that you are and teach us in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 15, verse 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, then both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us, unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet Understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Now, when we started this, this chapter 15, the fame of the Lord Jesus, hit, it had spread throughout all Israel. And with his fame came reports that there had been these small conflicts that the Lord Jesus had had with the religious leaders, with the Pharisees, with the scribes, over the rules of the Pharisees and scribes about many things like hand washing, like food being taken off of corn stalks during the Sabbath. And these questions, these, these conflicts, they raise the issue of the question whether the Lord was aligned 
with the religious leaders, with the scribes and the Pharisees, or whether he was in conflict with the scribes and the Pharisees. And so chapter 15, where we are right now, this settles the issue once and for all with the arrival of this official group of scribes and Pharisees. They were sent from Jerusalem with a challenge, and that challenge is in verse two of our chapter, which is, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Now, they use this term elders very purposefully. Literally, it means old men, ancients, or ancestors, because they suppose, as it's supposed today, that when Moses was on Mount Sinai, that God gave to Moses two sets of laws, the one that's written down in the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of Moses, and then this other, they say Moses was told this verbally on Mount Sinai, and he verbally told it to Joshua, who then verbally told it to the judges, who then went on to verbally tell it to the prophets, and so it was kept pure, they say, until it was finally recorded down in the books of the Talmud. And this law they call the oral law, which they view, practically speaking, as more important than the written books of Moses or the prophets, because they say the oral law explains or gives body to the written law. As I mentioned to you, as the Orthodox rabbi, um, before he was going into a wedding, felt compelled to write me an email and say, how do we know how to sacrifice, or how did they know how to sacrifice in all the great details about sacrifice if it wasn't for the oral law? And recently on a Zoom Torah class in North and Synagogue, when I said, I don't believe in the oral law, then a member of the synagogue said, if there's no oral law, then there's no Judaism. That shows you how important the oral law is, which means that present-day Judaism is based more on the oral law than it is on the written law of Moses, which is why the Lord told the leaders of Judaism in his day in John 5.45, John 5.45, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe in my words? And Mark's gospel comments on this oral law in Mark 7.3, in Mark 7.3 where it says, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash hands often, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Now that's a very good description of the oral law. Mark 7, 4, Mark 7, 4. It's the oral law is many other things there be which they have received to hold. So the oral law is full of many other things. Many other things which are really petty, such as the quantity of water that's to be used when washing and the way to wash things and how many things can be washed with the same quantity of water and when that water needs to be changed. So with this question about whether the Lord is aligned with the tradition of the elders, with the oral law, 
there was an air of suspense in the crowd as they waited to see from the Lord if the Lord would, when he was told that he offended the Pharisees, if he would back down and say that, well, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets and I didn't come to have a conflict here, and really I've come to fulfill the tradition of the elders, or if the Lord, for example, if the Lord would turn the other cheek, avoid this direct conflict with the scribes and Pharisees and say that it was not him that transgressed the tradition of the elders, it was the disciples who were doing these things, or if the Lord would take a stand against the tradition of the elders, and that's exactly what he did. So the crowd held their breath to see if the Lord would meet the challenge that he had been challenged with over the tradition of the elders, and a war would start, which is what happened. And the crowd got their answer when the Lord rose to counterattack the scribes and Pharisees with his challenge in verse three, which was, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? In verse, in verse six, verse six, these are fighting words, verse six, thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. In verse eight, their heart is far from me. In verse nine, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. See, all these statements of this sum up is that not only do the traditions of Judaism have nothing to do with the commandments of God, but that the traditions of Judaism were in conflict with the commandments of God. And with these statements, it's now crystal clear to the crowd that the Lord Jesus has no interest in endorsing or complying with the tradition of the elders, the tradition of Judaism. But when the crowd heard that, they knew that this outright war had started between the Lord and the religious leaders and the crowd just sort of backed away. Why? Because not only did the crowd have their answer, but the scribes and the Pharisees, they also got their answer that the Lord was their enemy. And the scene in verse 10 is of the scribes and the Pharisees kind of saying, okay, we got our answer, let's head back to Jerusalem because now we know that Jesus of Nazareth is our enemy. And the scene in verse 10 is of the Lord Jesus standing alone with the crowd also, maybe in fear. They backed away, and so verse 10 starts off where it says, he called the multitude, as if to say he calls them now. And now marks the point in time when it's clear to both the Pharisees and to the people that there's no hope that the Lord will somehow come around to agreeing with the Pharisees and the elders there and with their burdensome, it's really burdensome, tradition of the elders that have been imposed on the people. So the scribes and the Pharisees have backed off and the multitude is called there and the multitude is now coming together and he says three amazing words to them. You cannot believe how different this is from what they've been taught. And these three words are in verse 10, and they are hear and understand. Hear and understand. Hear and understand. The people have never been told by the religious leaders who promote the tradition of the elders, they've never been told something like hear and understand. It's very strange for them to hear this. They've never heard this before. The tradition of the elders has, has never been about hear and understand. The tradition of the elders has always been about hear and obey, hear and do, but not hear and understand. The tradition of the elders says, wear a skull cap, wear a yarmulke. No one has ever told them hear and understand why you should wear a yarmulke, it was just hear and obey, wear a yarmulke, and don't ask why you must wear a yarmulke. The tradition of the elders says to 
not eat dairy and meat together like a cheeseburger. No one has ever told them, hear and understand why you shouldn't eat a cheeseburger. But what they've been told is hear and obey, don't eat the cheeseburger and don't ask why you shouldn't eat the cheeseburger. The tradition of elders says, throw salt over a Sabbath dinner table, wash your hands with a copper pot at the sink, put a prayer shawl on, say these words, these exact words, don't vary. Give these prescribed words for praying over Sabbath candles and only use this designated elevator during Sabbath here because the elevators, you shouldn't, you shouldn't use those on the Sabbath. Wear European clothes from 300 years ago. Wear a, a long sideburns on your, on your uh, wear a, a hat, a fur. Women, shave your head if you're married. No one's ever said, hear and understand, just do it. You've been told, hear and obey. Just do these traditions and these elders. Don't ask why you must obey the traditions of the elders. I remember, I told you before, I was at a friend of mine's house, a dear friend of mine in New Jersey, an Orthodox man. And it's the, it's the throwing salt across the table, the copper polish. I said, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Just glared at me. You know, and I kept, of course, you know, I wouldn't give up. I said, why? Why do you do that? Till finally he said, you don't ask why. You just do it. Sorry, you know. Because as Tevya said in Fiddler on the Roof, you know, Tevya says, a fiddler on the roof, sounds crazy, no, but here in our little village of Anatevka, you might say every one of us is a fiddler on the roof, trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune without breaking our neck. It isn't easy, he says. And you may ask, why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous? We stay because Anatevka's our home, and we, how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word, tradition, he says. And then he goes on, he says, because of our traditions, we've kept our balance for many, many years. Here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything, how to sleep, how to eat, how to work, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always wear these, have our heads covered. We always wear a prayer shawl that shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? He says, I'll tell you. He says, I don't know. <laughs> But it's a tradition, and because of our tradition, everyone here knows who he is and what God expects him to do. No one ever said to Tevya, verse 10, hear and understand. All Tevya ever heard was hear and obey. That's the tradition of the elders. Hear and do and don't ask questions. But the Lord said something radically different, and that's why this is so radical in verse 10, when he said, hear and understand, because the Lord is saying, hear and think. Think about this. And when the people, they were hearing these things from him that was so different, hear and understand? And their response is really summed up in Mark 127, Mark 127, where it says, they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? And what new doctrine is this? I mean, when people hear him say, hear and understand, and they say, and so what was that to them? That was like a refreshing breath of fresh air from the you must do and not ask why. It was like a freedom. They were, it was a freedom from these restricting traditions of the elders. It was like a release of the prison of the mind. The mind could now ask questions. They should obey these traditions and question, what's the reason for those traditions? and know whether they should obey them or not. Now the Lord tells the people that they are to hear and understand, and then he says 
This is exactly what he wants them to hear and understand, which is verse 11, and they should hear and understand that it's not that which goeth into the mouth that defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that defileth a man. He's talking about source. So, you know, over the last few months at, down in Loretto, we've been smelling this gasoline in our powerboat down in Loretto. So first it started off with a little gasoline smell, and then it just got stronger, and especially we filled up the tank with gas. And so we started to then see gasoline collect in the bottom of the boat called the bilge, in the bilge. And that's very dangerous. Let me tell you, the worst thing that can happen to you is to be out at sea when your boat catches on fire. That's not a good thing because, you know, you have to get away from it and there's nothing to hold on to. So anyway, so we looked all over for this source of this leaking gasoline. I mean, was it the fuel pump? Was it the filters? One for months. Was it the hose fittings? Was it a leaking fuel line? So we went and tightened up all the hose clamps and we hoped it would stop. But every time we filled up the tank, we noticed more and more gasoline was leaking out into the bilge. Until one day, it was actually a couple weeks ago, when we had to actually turn the boat around from the sea and we had to come back because the fumes were just overwhelming. Then it became all important to find the source of the gasoline leak. And so finally, we pulled the trailer into a gas station and filled it up with gas and then the 130 gallons of gas. And then we brought the, the boat over to the boat yard. And by the time we got the boat to the boat yard, five gallons of gasoline had leaked in the bottom of the boat. This is a 17-year-old boat. It was obvious then that the fuel tank was toast. It was very dangerous. I mean, the person in the boat yard was really very afraid because if that boat would have exploded, it would have been a bad thing. And so now we know the problem, and now we can start the long repair of cutting the floor out and getting changing the tank. So it was all about the source of where this was coming from. And the Lord Jesus has just told them in verse 10, hear and understand. And what he really wants the crowd to understand is, where is the great source of sin pollution of the soul? Where's that source? Just as the gasoline was leaking out from somewhere and polluting the bottom of the boat, it was leaking out from somewhere and polluting the boat. So sin was leaking out somewhere and polluting the soul. And just as we thought that, well, maybe it's the hose clamps. And so we, we, we tightened that up to see, but the gas leak didn't stop. So the scribes and Pharisees taught that, no, the, the source of sin is the violation of the tradition of the elders. It's, that's the source of the pollution of your soul. The scribes and the Pharisees taught that not washing your hands, you see, is what's making you dirty. But not washing the hands before eating was not the source of the pollution of their sin. Just as the hose clamps was not the source of the gasoline leaking out. And so when the Lord Jesus said in verse 10, hear and understand, he's talking about hear and understand the great source of your personal pollution of sin. The great source of the person of our souls, the sin in our souls, is our heart. It's our heart. And nobody wants to hear that. And nobody wanted to hear that in 1967 when a bestseller was written, which was so well received by the world that it stayed on the New York Times bestseller list for two years. And the name of that book was very, very simple. It was, I'm okay, you're okay. And, and everybody said, that's what we want. We want to hear, I'm okay, you're okay. And what the Lord Jesus says in verse 10, he says, hear and understand 
that I'm not okay and you're not okay. <laughs> and that's the message of these 10 verses, verses 10 through 20. I'm not okay because my heart's not okay. You're not okay because your heart's not okay. Our problem is internal, not external. It's not what happens to us externally. The circumstances of our life, that's not the source of our sin. Our problem is internal. It's our hearts. That's the great source of our sin, and that's what's polluting our sin. And so the Lord Jesus is saying, hear and understand this. Hear and understand that the overall condition of man's heart is wicked, and not just wicked. It says wicked, it says in Deuteronomy 15.9. Deuteronomy 15.9, Moses said, beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart. Can you imagine Israel hearing this? Did he just call our hearts wicked? He did. In Deuteronomy 15.9, Moses did. And not just wicked, Jeremiah goes on to say in Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. De espoir, without hope. Without hope, it's without hope, wicked, who can know it. And God wants us to hear and understand this, hear and understand that how often are our hearts evil? It's just a, you know, once in a while. Genesis 6, 5, Genesis 6, 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Ecclesiastes 9.3, Ecclesiastes 9.3, the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness in their heart while they live. God wants us to understand that just how polluting that heart wickedness is from Job 15, 14, and 16. Job 15, 14, and 16. What is man that he should be clean? He which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water? God wants us to under, understand that this didn't, this didn't just develop sometime in the history of man. This happened from the beginning of our lives. As David said in Psalm 51.5, Psalm 51.5, when he was talking about when his wickedness started, it says, behold, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. And God wants us to understand and hear how every person's heart is sinful. Everyone, as it says in Psalm 53.2, Psalm 53.2, God looked down from heaven to see upon the children of men, to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And when, so when the Lord Jesus says this words at the end of verse 11, verse 11, he said, this defileth a man. It was like he was putting the finger right into our chest tapping on it and saying, here's your problem. It's the heart, not the mouth. It's the heart. The mouth is just a vehicle. And as far as external circumstances go, you know, that boss that fired me for no good reason, that's why I snapped back. That man who cut me off on the road, that's the reason. See, those circumstances, like Pastor Jim used to say, are nothing more than shaking the glass. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.